There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered all his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. He went and hired himself out to a nearby citizen. The man sent him into his field to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. He came to his senses and said, How many of my father's servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine has been saved and is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed a fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes home, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, you killed a fat calf for him? My son, the father said, you were always with me. You were always with me. You were always with me. And everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours, this brother of yours, this brother of yours was dead. Was dead. Was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and now is found. God, today we bring our hearts before you. In this room, there's people hurting and broken. There's people elated. We span the spectrum of emotions. But we have one thing in common. We're desperate for you, God. As we think of our loved ones, as we think of maybe our own situation, as we think of lost and this need, this urge, this craving to be found, God, we want to be found in you this morning. That today would be a day that marks a difference in our path, a change in our story. In these moments, everything can and everything will be different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We are working through 
Luke chapter 15, if you have a Bible with you, if you have an electronic Bible device, um, you're going to be jumping all over your phone today. Uh, we are we're going to be exploring a lot of Old Testament scriptures today. Last week we, uh, we looked at Luke 15 in light of John 15. Uh, if you didn't get to listen to last week's message, if you weren't able to come, um, it will be posted next week, or it's already posted, you just can't get to it. We are overhauling our whole website right now. It's getting a facelift just like some of the things in here are. And um, that process takes a little time, and by the end of the week, we should be up and running with a whole new uh, deal. So that also means the office's emails are down, um, so please call us at the church if you need us. Um, I know we don't, Kevin and I don't know how to operate when our email doesn't work. We start shaking and bad things start happening, but um, that's what's going on this week. So if we seem a little uh, uh, not talking to you, it's nothing personal. It's, we just can't get those emails at the moment, all right? Um, so those will be done hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday, um, just to give you an update on that. However, I would encourage you to go listen to last week's message. It is long, um, but um, it's packed with all kinds of, of goodies. So um, we're doing that. Anyway, this week we'll be looking uh, throughout the Old Testament about um, the prodigal son as well. So um, be ready to flip or just keep on Luke 15, and that's totally fine. And as always, the scripture will be up on the screen for you. Um, so if you don't feel like flipping, you don't have to flip. As I studied this week, and as I poured over the scripture, what it meant, what it was looking like, what did I want to bring, what did God have for us today, something kept on playing in my head that there are bad ideas, and then there are really bad ideas, right? There are bad ideas, and then there are bad ideas. There's like, that was a bad idea to, you know, leave the garage door open overnight, because now my heating bill's going up. But it's also a bad idea to stick your hose in your car and, like, fill it up with water, right, Paul? Those are two different... They both classify as bad ideas. Just one's a lot more badder than the other. More badder. I said it. What? Uh, there's just... They're bad ideas, and then there are bad ideas. And the prodigal is kind of a capsulation of it's a bad idea, and then it's a bad idea. There's a lot of badness thinking things going on here. And you, if you have a kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Or if you were a kid, you remember, oh, there's probably stories playing in your head right now of, that was a bad idea. <laughs> remember the time, yeah, they usually involve lights chasing you for some reason. Uh, so, those are bad ideas. And, and uh, the prodigal has kind of, he has a bad idea, but Jesus is talking about the bad ideas. Here. And Jesus, in this scripture, in Luke 15, he's talking on all these different layers. There's these levels of intensity um, in this story that, if you, on first look, it's powerful. And just the prodigal finds himself in a terrible spot. This younger son finds him in just nastiness, in pig slop, literal pig slop. And he gets himself out of it, and the father loves him. It's a beautiful story. Thing is, though, that's only one layer of the beauty of this scripture. This week, as I just kind of delved into it, I said, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. I keep on having these moments. Yvonne called me. She's like, you're like a little boy discovering a toy. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. If I could be childlike in my adoration of the scripture of God talking to us, what? and if we could pass that on, if we could catch some of that, oh, can you believe that? 
I've read this thing a lot. But the more I get, the more I know it, the more I delve into it, the more I'm like, it's like Christmas morning. Ask Kelly. When I get to the dining room table, I start making sound effects. It's hilarious. Those are my two favorite, aren't they? Yep. I hope to pass that on to you. I, you know, the men in here are like, I am never making that noise. <laughs> I got an amen for that, okay? Uh, the idea is that I don't, when you open the scripture, it's alive. It's life-changing. And I hope that you can start to see some of those things this week. It is daunting. It's a big book. It's a, it, but it is alive, and it is the Word of God, and it, will cha- it can and will change your life by studying it. In Luke 15, the prodigal talks about there's bad ideas, and then there are bad ideas. This, the parable of the prodigal is not just about a love between a father and a son. Rather, it's about a people and their relationship with God. More importantly, it's a blueprint for how we reconnect with God. How we who have been lost can be found again. It shows you the whole blueprint right there. And it's beautiful. We make it a lot more difficult. Right? In our heads, I've got to stop doing this. I've got to change this. I've got to, oh, that person can't come to Jesus yet. They're still doing this, 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 and this. Oh, and they're going to hell. Right? Do you see any of these lists here in the... I don't see that. I see what I see in the prodigal. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I don't care. It's verse 23 that the prodigal just says, he's sitting in the mud. I'm going home. This is stupid. I will go be a slave. This is dumb. And what happens is he repents, he turns, and he walks And that's all it takes. He still smells. There's no mention of a shower or a bath, right? He's got pig slop. He is nasty. He's still the same son who just blew his inheritance. All it took for him was to say this. I'm going home. And that, while he was a long way off, it's almost like the father's waiting. Turn around, son. Turn around, son. Turn around, son. Turn around, son. As soon as he turns around. We don't know how far it was. Maybe it was three steps out the corral. Father running to him. Just turn around, son. Just turn around, son. That's the heart cry of God for us today. You've got to remember the audience. We've talked a lot about that, but the audience is this. The tax collectors, if you read the first part of Luke 15, the tax collectors and the Pharisees. What he's got going on here is the worst of the worst and the best of the best. The people who are prim and proper and do everything right, the Pharisees, and the the people who are basically like mafia dons, and the tax collectors. And so you have these two groups of people together, and people who know what it is to be lost, what it is to have like doing crazy stuff in their life, and then you have this group of people who are judging the other people going, well, we're perfect. And in this story, Jesus kind of breaks it down. Jesus, the greatest teacher in history, reaches out and says, I'm not going to just show you how to be found but I will show how all of humanity how to be found. Read with me, verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, 
set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of the father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your sin. But the father said to him, he ignores him, right? He probably cuts him off. Ignores him. Prepared speech means nothing. It's the fact that he's there. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put it on the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. On the surface, the choices of the prodigal are normal bad decisions. But what they translate into is a son totally walking away from his father, being dead to his father. The words used here a lot symbolize deadness. As we talked about before, um, the word lost means to have a, a death sentence, to be dead. The Greek word uh, of that, it's crazy how that, that means. They're written off. When he hires himself out, and it says that the, the citizen of that country sends him out in the field and doesn't give him anything to eat, he's basically saying, here's a dollar, go do that. He doesn't care anymore. If he gets the job done, great. If he doesn't, culturally, if you were sent out into the field, you were basically written off. And I thought this was, this, this reading that was, wow. Not only is he dead to his father, he is dead even to the people he, who he's trying to get to help him. Can you imagine in your life? And maybe you feel like that too. Everyone around you, it feels like you don't matter and you're just dead to them. He is as lost as he possibly can get to the very people he's been trying to, you know, with this wild living. Later it finds out that he's, the the older son accuses him of wild leaving me, meaning he's consorting with prostitutes. But he's, he's in this just dark, deep place. And he's just not like waiting for his welfare check. Right? There is no hope. There's no Social Security going to bail him out. There's no, nobody going to care. He is in a different country at a different time. Basically, they have written him off totally. He doesn't just want money in this scripture. He doesn't just want the money from, from his dad. He's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were already dead so I could get my inheritance. This is huge. Pretty sure if I told my parents, hey, could you hurry up and die so I could get some money? That wouldn't go over so well. Right? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't said anything. 
<laughs> um, can, you, I mean, can you imagine that? If you go to your parents, hey, can you speed this thing along? I got a trip to Hawaii I want to take. Las Vegas? Come on. And that's basically what's going on here. But if you look at it, Jesus is talking to that. And so everybody in that room would have understood, <gasps> you can't say that. But all these people in the room, especially the Pharisees, know the history of Israel. And think about this. Saying, Dad, I already want my inheritance is, is also, this is what blew my head this week, was just going back to the covenants and saying, of, of people of Israel saying, you know what, God, we don't want you. We want to do our own thing. Over and over again in the scripture, there's these things called covenants. And it's basically promises from God to the people of Israel and to the people uh, and to humanity in general, saying, like the Noahic covenant, all right? This is why in Genesis, I think, 7 or 9 is where the covenant is. I will no longer ever destroy the world through a flood. This is a covenant. It's called the Noahic covenant. He's saying, all right, so you get a rainbow. <laughs> Remember, when you see the rainbow, I'm never going to do that again. Okay, that's just a promise to humanity. We're not going to do that. But there's also ones called the Abrahamic Covenant and the Mosaic Covenant from Moses and the Davidic Covenant from David um, and the New Covenant, which is in Jeremiah, and Jesus fulfills all that. But the Abrahamic Covenant is when God says, all right, Abraham, I'm going to make a people out of you. You're going to be a father to many nations. I choose you, and I will be those people's God. i got a plan for you. i got a place for you. It's Canaan. It's got palm trees. It's nice. You're going to love it. And what happens there, here, in, in Exodus is, read this. This is directly against Exodus. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord God is giving you. Well, what land is he given? It goes back to the Abrahamic covenant. You have the land of Canaan. I'm giving you that place. I have a place for you. Go. And then one of the Ten Commandments says, honor your father and mother. What is the prodigal doing? He's directly crushing that. He's not honoring his father. He's doing everything he possibly can to dishonor his father and choosing a different land to go live. Do you see how he's, Jesus is paralleling that? I just, whew, it got sound effects. But he's breaking one of these, these, these covenants, but it also is echoed in Israel's history. They've done the same thing. They make mistakes as a country over and over and over again. As, as a people, they walk away from this and, and really make God feel like, I wish you were dead, God, because I'm going to go serve this other God. It continues. When they talk about the son wasting his money, Judges 2, 17 says this, Yet they would not listen to their judges, which were like feudal lords, um, but prostituted themselves. What were they? Oh, they prostituted themselves to gods and worshipped them. What did the boy do? He consorted with prostitutes. He prostituted themselves to God, other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned their ways, their ancestors, who had been obedient, turned from their ways of, of their ancestors, sorry, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. The same thing. It's the same story. Israel, you've been here. You told your father that you wanted to die. You told God that you wanted to die. You walked away. You, you chose your own path. And then you prostituted yourselves away from these other gods. Gods called Ashtra and, and Baal. 
And, and part of their religious practices were prostitution. So this prodigal son, when they heard prostitution, he probably was going to some sort of religious thing outside of, of, of God. They were going to some other weird religious sect, God, Greek, or Persian, and doing these religious acts that were sexual. Does that make sense? How far away he is from his culture, how far away he is from who he's supposed to be, how far he has devoted himself. But in the back of everybody's head, in the back of Jesus' head, he's saying, this is the country of Israel. This is my people doing the same thing. It's a, it's a dual-layered process. Exodus 6, 2 through 8. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them and give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you out of the land and sworn an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as possession. I am the Lord. So this is the God. He's saying, I want to fulfill my covenant, but you guys keep on doing silly things. You keep on doing bad ideas. I want to bring you out of this. I have a place for you. Come on. Get your stuff together. He keeps on just pulling, pulling, pulling. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. I will rescue you. I will rescue you. I will rescue you. Over and over, all throughout the scripture. This this kid's feeding pigs. And maybe, um, now we like, I mean, I like baby back blues as much as the next person, right? I just lost half the crowd, right? All right, sorry. Come back to me, come back to me. Their chicken is delicious too. I know that's kind of a sin to even say, but their chicken is wonderful. Anywho, the whole idea of eating pigs. One, if you go on any kind of diet plan, usually they're like, oh, don't eat pigs. Those are just nasty. They're like trash compactors, right? But God has said specifically in the scripture, don't eat pigs. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even get close to them. Don't touch them. They're nasty. Stay away. Where does this kid go? He's feeding pigs. Once again, Jesus is, is drawing that parallel. Because who do, what do the Romans like to sacrifice in the temples and all over the place? They like to sacrifice pigs. It's this parallel to, you guys have fallen so far. You're even sacrificing pigs. You're in pig slop. Through the prodigal, Jesus shows Israel's faults, but he also shows the way home. And this is important. He shows the way home. How does he come home? He humbles himself and turns. It's repentance. That's what repentance is, to change direction. We talked about the bow and arrow, to to adjust your aim. Repentance. It's turning in the direction. What he does is say, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I'm, I'm knee deep in gluch. 
No one cares if I live or die. I can't even eat what the pigs are eating. What am I doing here? And it's still Israel gets to that point. Nothing's going to change. But also, nothing's going to change in us if we never get to that point. What am I doing here? Yeah, I've been trying to live here. I've been trying to do this. I've been caught up in all these different things. But what am I doing here? And what it takes is just a change of direction. I love that the father doesn't let him get out his, his sentence. You know, he's thinking, okay, this is, we've all done this, right? When you have to like talk your parents into maybe trying to give you money or ask for forgiveness or whatever, it's like, okay, we're going to say this and we're going to say this and we're going to say this. And you have the whole argument laid out in front of you. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it's like, and it's just a hug. Put a ring on him, put a robe on him, grab him. I don't care about what you're saying. I don't care where you've been. Care a little bit about how you smell, but we'll deal with that later. I love you. You were dead. I'd written you off. You broke my heart, but you're alive. You see that? I think this is how it works with God. Sometimes so often we get caught up into, I've got to quit smoking. I've got to stop gambling. I've got to, do, to take care of this. My marriage has got to get better. I've got to do all these things before God will love me. That's utter trash. You take care of that after you are found in God. Being found in God is changing that direction and saying, hug, hold me. That's all it is. It's an embrace. Jesus shows us this. And, that, and one of the cool things is in the New Covenant, Jeremiah 29, God's saying the same thing through his prophets. All you got to do is this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. This is in the middle of this. The context of Jeremiah 29, 11 is this. Okay, we have it plastered all over Family Christian Bookstore. We have it everywhere. It's a nice little verse. Oh, God has plans for you and prosper you. That's nice. Right? Except the context of this is the Israel people are in bondage. They are in slavery. They have no king. They have been utterly destroyed. Prophet says to them, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Their whole identity has been destroyed, but what does God say? I have plans for you. They have walked as far away from God as they possibly can. I have plans for you. Maybe you today have walked as far as you possibly can. God can't use me. God doesn't want me. God doesn't need me. God doesn't all this stuff. I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How often has it been like, I I just don't have any hope that this is going to get any better. I've been there. It's not fun. Verse 12, catch this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. What's he say? When you seek me with all your heart, when you turn and say, Daddy, I'm coming home. I'm going to gather you up. I'm just going to gather you up. 
That's the image that Jeremiah is, is giving us here. That's the promise that God is saying. When you seek me, you will find me. It goes on, verse 33. This is the covenant I make, chapter 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put, it, put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The prodigal's response is beautiful. The prodigal's intention, the prodigal's response to all this craziness, to he's done all kinds of terrible things. He's, 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 ruined, he's told his dad, I wish he'd just die. You know, he's accosted every thing in the Jewish religion he possibly can. He's been with pigs. He's been with prostitutes. He's basically, he's done everything wrong, right? But what he does right is he humbles himself. He offers himself, if you catch in the, script, in the, in the verse, Verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Make me a doulos. Make me a slave. I'm no, I'm, I, when he humbles himself to be like a slave is when he is restored as a son. When he offers himself as a slave he, and is restored as a son. Think about that. So often we are like, we treat God like we deserve something, like we should get something, like God, you should, you should do this, and you should have picked me up out of the pigsty. And you, who cares that you put yourself in the pigsty? But you should have taken care of me, and you should, have, you should have guarded me against that, and you should have done this and that and the other thing. But when he offers himself as a slave, that is when he is fully operating as a son. This story has many layers. It's just layered with goodness. But think of how about the audience must have felt then. As a group of tax collectors and a group of, of Pharisees kind of all pondering this, this thought. I don't know if they got all the layers that's going on right then. There's a ton of stuff going on here. The tax collectors I know could have identified with this prodigal. Because what are they doing? They are what they're in... in engaged in is extortion of their own people to give money to a foreign power right you can't get much farther away than that it's basically like being a traitor hey give me some of your money so i can give it to the other guys so we can pay for their military you see so they can continue to oppress us it's as much of a of a, of a traitor and a betrayal as you you possibly can be and so they're going i am so lost Right now, I am so not where I want to be. How can I ever be found? And, and Jesus is offering, hey, here it is. I know you're in the pig stuff. Turn towards home. This is a story of restoration of relationship. It's a story of making dead things alive again. It's what God has been involved in the whole time, since Genesis 3 on, finding lost things. If you remember the story of Genesis, we talked about the first week of this, this series, but it goes like this. Jesus, or Eve and Adam sin. 
take a bite of the forbidden fruit, immediately recognize that they're naked. And they hide when they hear God coming. And so you have this moment where God's like, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam's hiding underneath the fig tree. Adam, where are you? Here, God. Why are you hiding? Because I knew I was naked and I was ashamed. Who told you you were naked? God has been finding lost things since the beginning. Why I took the time to go through these covenants, why I took time to walk through Israel's story today is to say God has continually, from about the eighth page on in the Scripture, trying to find lost things. He's not given up on humanity. He's not giving up on us. He's not given up on you. If you seek me, you will find me. The father isn't looking for a perfect son. He knows who his prodigal is. Right? He knows the struggles his kid's going to have. He's looking for humility. He's looking for him just to come home. Some of you have been the prodigal kids. Some of you have prodigal kids. You know them. You know their hearts. You know how they act. They're the kids, right, that uh, you're like, hey, that's hot. Don't touch it. I just burned myself. Oh, I won't burn. Right? They got to learn it for themselves. I think Perry was a prodigal. <laughs> Perry. Downstairs, Perry's grinding steel plates with a grinder. Sparks are flying everywhere. I'm scared I'm going to burn. He's going to burn down the church. Oh, let's just knock it off with my bare hand. Ow, it burned. Perry, it's going to be hot. There was fire coming off of the. I love you. <laughs> right? I can only imagine. I had like visions of his father going, mm, that boy. Right? But those have lasted the hardest in here. We're also the prodigals, I bet. <laughs> you, you, know what I, you know what I'm saying? And we have those in our lives, and, we, and they break our hearts. And some of us are going, oh, that was me. And I always have to burn myself, and I don't know why. And as parents, we have to say, okay, just, just turn. Just turn. Just change direction. I want to hold you so bad. And that's where God is right now, with you. When we realize we don't deserve this grace, it's precisely when it is given to us. When we quit operating out of, well, he should have given me the inheritance. He should have done this. He should have done that. He should have done this. God owes me. When we quit operating out of that, it's precisely when God just overwhelms us with grace. Right now, I want to ask you, where are you at? Do you need to turn toward home today? If you know you're lost and desperately want to be found, just turn towards home. Ask God to find you where you're at and take you in. It doesn't have to be a rehearsed speech. It doesn't have to be a perfect worded sentence. It doesn't have to be all that stuff we've Christianized and made it. Jesus shows us here in Luke 15, just turn towards home. For those of us who have prodigals in our lives, I want to give you a little encouragement maybe today to say, how do I deal with a prodigal? How do I change that? How do I even participate in their story being found? I want to form a search party for those prodigals. I was thinking about this. I thought 
the best way to start working on a prodigal is to pray for him. You say, I've been doing that, Jared. Yeah, but we've been praying, God, will you just change their life and change their heart and change their life? We've been praying the big prayer, right? We pray that over and 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 over again. And that's a great prayer to pray. But know what you're asking is that until that whole prayer is fulfilled, you're not happy. It's a great prayer to pray. But what if we pray smaller prayers? Continue to pray the big one. But what if we pray smaller ones? God, I, just, I ask for you to give me an amazing conversation with you fill in the blank today. I just want to have a great conversation. I want to show them love. I don't want to lose my temper with them today. Right? Because they drive you nuts. I don't want to do that. I want to show your love to them. That's all, that's all I'm asking for today. I just need a small little miracle that I will not yell at them today. Break it down. Break it down to small bite-sized chunks. And then here's the beautiful thing. You can start to see how God has been working in their lives and working in your life all the way. If we just say, God, miraculously change, he, and he can do it, right? He can strike them right wherever they're at, and boom, they realize they're lost. But how beautiful it is if we could watch through our journaling and through our praying how God has slowly moved them. And some of those people, you know, this prodigal, he turned quickly. Some of them, it's like one millimeter at a time, right? We can be a part of that. I want to invite you to be part of that. I know you all have names on your, in your minds of people who have walked away and who you desperately want to have be found again. I want to help you find, uh, be a part of that story. Break it down into small wins. I loved hearing the stories uh, this week of people who were saying, oh, Jared, I, I didn't do it every time, but I prayed for a couple waitresses and waiters. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. I know. Some of them will tell you to go to hell right to your face right there. I'm like, but if you don't believe in God, how can the go to hell thing work? I don't understand. <laughs> right? Somebody else told me, like, Jared, I'm going to have to uh, up my anxiety medicines if, uh, if I continue to pray for people in, at my workplace. But, uh, but I did it. And I was like, this is awesome. People take it. <laughs> we'll work on the anxiety. No. Uh, but people just taking the next steps to say, all right, I will accept this challenge. Just to pray for my waiter. Pray for my waitress. Pray for the people I come in contact with. Be open and be sensitive to the people in our lives to say, hey, you matter. You may be annoying me right now, but you matter to God. You're, you're his son or daughter that might be so far away and so lost. God, I ask you to find us. God, I know there's things in my life that I, I'm trying to clean up and I'm trying to, to tear away and I'm trying to do it, maybe even by myself and not letting your hand carve at me. But God, at the end of the day, I don't want to judge myself on how perfect I've made myself, or how hard I've worked. The only thing that matters is that I'm your son. That I was lost, and now that I'm found. God, for all of us who have been putting grade charts in front of us, in front of our spiritual life, God, we, we want to throw all those away today. Just say, bask in being your son. Turn for your embrace. 
God, would you run to us today? Maybe for the first time, we just we see where we're at, we see what we're going through, we see the mud that we're in, we just turn towards home. I pray for those right now who, who feel lost, Lord, that today would be a day that we run towards home. God, I pray for all the, the parents in here and the brothers and the sisters and the sons and the daughters and the husbands and the wives who have a, someone in their life that they know needs you so bad. I pray for their courage. I pray for their stamina. I pray for their heartache. God, we ask that you would hear our prayers and that you would give us the moments and give us the time and give us the, the chances to speak love into life in their lives. Just maybe you would call them home. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed for God to find you and to restore lost things today, or in the last couple of Sundays, I'd ask you to write that on a communication card and give it to me. You don't even have to. We can do it like secretly. You don't have to. We're not going to call you up or anything like that. Just slip me a piece of paper. But I'd love to rejoice with you. I'd love to talk to you about next steps. It's a huge, life-altering event to come home. It's a huge, humbling event to say you need to come home. We're, this church is a church of people just brokenheartedly praying for people who are lost. Not judging, not saying, oh, you got to have this outfit on before you walk into our church. Obviously, they let me in, right? But they're praying for you, and they love you. We're praying for your families, and we're praying for your kids, praying for your spouses. I know it. Every time we do a life group, people are praying for, oh, so-and-so's kid is on my heart today. It's who we are and who we want to be. You're loved, and you're not judged here. You're cared for. That's who we are and who we will be.